Hi, this is Carl Franklin. Richard and I are going to be in London at the NDC conference December 2nd through the 6th, and we'd love to see you there. Come see Scott Guthrie, Don Syme, Bob Martin, Dan North, Scott Allen, Mads Torgerson, and many, many more at the NDC. For more information, go to ndc-london.com. The Tablet Show, Episode 113, with guest Jeff Fritz. Recorded live Saturday, November 23rd, 2013. From thetabletshow.com, it's The Tablet Show, conversations about developing software for tablets and other mobile devices with your hosts, Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. In this episode, Carl and Richard talk to Jeff Fritz about building mobile web applications using ASP.NET Web Forms. This episode of The Tablet Show is sponsored by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support, online at telerik.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Hey, Mr. Campbell. Howdy, sir. How are you? I'm fine. We are at Philly Code Camp. I love the Philly Code Camp. This is such a beautiful campus. It's a clear, sunny fall day in Abington, Pennsylvania. So people might be wondering, where's the crowd? But we're actually in our own little private yes, room here, which we, is nice. Yeah, I really like it. We gave us a nice space. We've got a good view, and it's peaceful here. We've got a little bit of a hackathon going on. Some yeah. guys doing work on the humanitarian toolbox, which Wonder is cool. what the heck we're doing over here in the corner. Making noise, yeah. Right. Interrupting people. Well, anyway, Jeff Fritz is here. We'll be talking to him in just a minute. But uh, for now, let's get started with Better Know a Framework. Awesome. All right, buddy, what do you got? Well, every once in a while, you you know you hear about things and then you try them. Yep. And when you, you are try very prone them, to that, my friend. I oh see yeah, you do that. And when you try them, and you get it, and you go, "Oh my God, this is amazing!" Have you had a hallelujah moment? Well, you know, I, I knew it was going to be amazing. Okay. But I just didn't experience it. Well, stop torturing me, man. What are we talking Signal about? Signal R, man. Oh, Signal really? R. Signal R has you in its grasp. Oh, it's huh? awesome. Damien you know, Edwards is amazing. Because you know I'm a sockets guy. Sure, right? sure. Back. You also know it's hard. I know it's very hard. And you know what else is hard? Frickin' web sockets is hard, man. <laughs> okay. It shouldn't be hard. Well, it's sockets. Okay. You would think a socket is raw data. Oh, yeah. no. No. There must be handshaking. There must be bitwise conversion. There's all sorts of weird stuff oh, that you wow. have to do just to that get a far world. More. From here to there. So it it's not me a of socket. Like, it's a protocol. It's not socket. Oh, man. interesting. Okay. But not all the browsers have it. That's, hey, you, we'll get to you, man. Okay. You just cool it over there. <laughs> Signalar is a personal favorite. Okay, good. We'll talk, we'll talk about Signalar with you. Okay. But, but so here's what's cool, of course. All right. Is it's just a few lines of code. Yeah. And, you know, in JavaScript, you basically can publish and broadcast messages to anyone who subscribes right. to it. It's a pub sub. Gets rid of all the cruft around. And it's uh, cross-platform. Cross-platform. So here's the deal. Go to signalr.net to get started just okay. in HTML JavaScript. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Now, what if I want a WPF app that yeah. can get those messages and send those messages? Okay. So if you, you know, signalr, the, the new get package is microsoft.aspnet.signalr. Right. Well, if you want the .NET client, it's microsoft.aspnet.signalr.client. Okay. And so there's a whole nother stack just for C-sharp. 
All right. So anything C sharp, not just WPF. Yeah. I could I could make a WinForm app uh, if you wanted to. Yeah. Yes, you could. You just, you're not encouraging that. No, for sure. <laughs> but uh, so I've I've got a link here with tinyurl.com/signalrwpf, all one word, signalrwpf, and that goes to the Hubs API guide in the .NET client. Okay. Uh, and this is from October 2013. So the, and it's level 100 for beginners, and it's literally takes walking all the you way through. through and, you know, I've got code here in WPF, literally five lines of code, and I'm handling an event, and I'm posting messages, and I, I type something into my WPF app, it shows up in all the web browser clients that are wow. connected to it, and vice versa. It's all that real-time effect just works. Yeah. I love and it. And, of course, you know, I just did it with a string, mm -hmm. but if you want to, you know... Get fancy. Code objects in JSON and pass those around. Hey, what is a JSON object but a string? Yeah, it's just sure. a bunch of text. It's just that simple. Beautiful. Know it, learn it, love it, huh? So, signal art. I like it when you're excited and about And not technology. only that, but it's amazing. And then we talked to some of the uh, speakers here, too, who agree that nobody knows about it. Hmm. Still, and we've done shows on it. Yep. But, you know, relatively few people know about Signal R. Interesting. So, so I'm just here to beat the drum. Yeah. Take a look. Take a look. Beautiful. Yeah. Know it, learn it, love it. Richard, cool. who's talking to us? I, I grabbed a comment off of show 108, and that is the one we did with Mr. Miller when we were in Dublin. Mr. Miller! Yes, and he had a go at iOS 7 and talked about Win 8 and so forth. He was a little cranky. He was a little cranky, but he made he some great, great points. points. Yeah. yeah. And Pierce Lawson jumped in. He says, uh, hi, I agree with Mark about the all caps thing in Windows, but I actually just double check my phone, which is a phone 8, and my desktop, Win 8, and most of what I see is lowercase. The only place I see the all caps thing is in the menu bars of Office and Visual Studio. Mm -hmm. And they're not Metro apps. They're desktop apps. Right. Am I missing something? Or did the Windows look at my age just automatically change over to something that is more adaptable to me? Yeah. That's Pierce's comment. Yeah. But it just reminded me, it's like, you stop. I just haven't heard anybody complaining about the whole Office and, and Studio thing anymore. Mm. I mean, when it first came out, it was a big deal. But now, it's like, eh, nobody cares. It's not yeah, a big you know, deal. I'm looking, at, I'm looking at Windows 8. I'm looking yep. at Windows Phone 8. I don't see any uppercase anywhere no, in the message. It's all Windows proper case. Too. Start is start, and your name is your name. And it's like, you're right. It's not like it's gone everywhere, Pierce. Right. It's just in a few spots. And we'll see what happens next. I'm now going to go back. I haven't even noticed in 2013. Is it still all caps? Yeah, yeah in the menu. It is. In the top menus, sure. But they, I think we said this on the show, too, that it's like every time they change Facebook, there's an outcry about it. Yeah. And then they forget about it. Well, you know, here's the funny thing. We're supposed to be agile. Mm-hmm. You know? What is, what is agile about complaining about the case of your frickin' menus? <laughs> it's true. You know? It's true. Are you agile, really? Yeah. You can't adjust to that change? Well, why are you worried about why that? Why are you worried about that? Well, it that? seems like nobody is anymore. Yeah. Anyway, I wanted to bring that up. And, Piers, thanks so much for your comment. A tablet show mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a tablet show mug, just write a comment on the website at thetabletshow.com or on any of our mobile apps. We've got them for Windows 8, Windows Phone 7 and 8, iOS, and Android. And those apps were built by Diatom Enterprises. We'd love to build you an app, so just go to diatomenterprises.com. And we're here with Jeff Fritz. Jeff, uh, we first met uh, at... Speaker Idol. Oh, wow, yeah. In tech Ed, he was yeah. uh, talking about a testing environment that he wrote for JavaScript. That's a couple of years ago now, isn't it? It was a couple of years 2012. ago. 2012. Mm -hmm. Now Jeff works for Telerik and uh, speaks about mobile development with web forms, which is a kind of an odd combination that you don't, you don't really think about it, but of course I've tried it, and uh, we were intrigued, so we want to talk to you about it. Cool. Welcome. 
Thank you. It's great to be back with you guys. Yeah. It feels like we do this every couple, every six months or so. Well, we did we did a .NET Rocks with you a while back, talking about the sort of one ASP.NET yes. mentality, yeah. right? Yeah, which, and you which, defended web forms. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I, and I think 2013 has really manifest that vision. It has. Yeah, it absolutely has. The fact that that I can start only one type of ASP.NET project, one web project, right, and from there I can pick and choose what I want to add to the mix, and and it's so easy to get get started and use web forms with mvc right. or web forms with web api or signal r like you brought up earlier yeah i mean don't be intimidated by this 10 12 year old technology that it, it's really good mm -hmm. it's been around for a long time mm. yeah it abstracts away some of the html you have to write mm. yeah you end up with some black box controls you put on the screen but for the most part for the the developers that want to just get things done it still works great. All right, so answer me a technical support question, if you will. So I've, I've been doing, I tried it, web okay. forms, and doing some JavaScript stuff where I want to be handling events, oh, and, yeah. you know, but on the client. Mm -hmm. Now, if I've got a web form, sure. that web form gets called when I click on any of those JavaScript buttons. How can I have a web form and handle my click events in JavaScript at the same time. So you're... Did I do something wrong? So, so when you run with those buttons, right, mm -hmm. you can set up your JavaScript. Make sure they return false. You don't want to return from those so that the form actually gets posted back, right? If, the, if that form receives a true from those buttons, it'll actually do the post back. You need to cancel the event so that it doesn't go all the way back to the server. So how do you do that syntactically? So when Instead you call, of... when you wire up your events... Yeah. At the end of it, if you're using jQuery, you can, I think it's event, cancel event, okay. is what you can call, or right. you can actually return false. Oh, all right. And it'll stop that event from bubbling and submitting. That is brilliant. Perfect. It's, it's beautiful. It's almost too simple to be the right solution. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's, like, it's got to be more complicated well, than I thought, this. I figured that it would be that easy, and that is just the kind of stumbling block that I bet, you know, some people who try to mix these things would run into because sure. as soon as you're mixing the environment you don't want to do postbacks anymore no you never uh, want to do postbacks in the first place actually uh, postbacks have their place you think so so in in the new world of of web forms right there's gosh back in ASP.NET 4.5 we started to see model binding in web form right and when you have model binding postback isn't that bad a thing now because you're not posting yeah you're posting back your content but you don't have to worry about view state as much right. because you're getting something back that's just your model. Yeah. Handle it on, on your code behind, mm -hmm. and it becomes a lot easier to work with. Ajax becomes a lot more delightful to work with because you've got just that model. And you're really you're just with. handling page load, aren't you? Yeah, you're only handling page load, and you don't have to worry about event order. Right. Right? Or uh, managing that view state. When's it loaded? Did the post back happen yet? And I have my view state so I can get the contents of that text so box out of it. Really, mm. there's no difference between and that using a web form like that and then having an HTML, uh, raw HTML just posting to a, a, a you know, an MVC form or an, a service or something like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Posting to a web API service. Right. Absolutely. You're just using an ASPX file as the service. As the catch. Yep. yep. So it works out nicely then. And then yeah, when we start to bring in other technologies that are available to us now, mm. like bundling, mm. I can bundle all my script files up, right? Mm. Yeah, you might want to put an ASP script manager on the page to manage all your JavaScript right. coming and going, but bundle it, right? The script manager will do that for you, but if you have scripts you want to put on the page and you want to minify them, compress mm. them so you only have 
one file you're sending down, right. ASP.NET has you covered now. One little trick that I used to do was to make a ASP.NET literal right in the in the header. Okay. And then re you know in the page load the first time I look and I see you know I take a look at my environment and see what it is and see if it's a mobile or or not a mobile and based on that I can spit out which you know JavaScript files to include or which CSS files to include or whatever. You know, it's just a little trick that I used to do. That's a great trick, but I think we've got a solution for you now in, yeah, in ASP.NET 4.5 with friendly URLs. Sure. Mm -hmm. So in web forms in ASP.NET 4.5 and, and 4.5.1, we have this friendly URLs capability where you can go into the route table, and now all ASP.NET projects have a route table. Right. right. And you could say, uh, enable friendly URLs, and it'll do mobile device detection. Right. So, right, what's, what's neat about this is I can start putting out their ASPX files that end with .mobile.aspx. Yep. So it's the same file name. It's search.aspx. But put your search mobile ASPX mm. out there with your more mobile uh, proper sure. markup, and you'll get that sent down to the browser instead. Right. <laughs> but they take it one further. And the really neat part is they'll actually swap out site.master pages for you. So you typically have right that site.master page. Right. Mm. You can have a site.mobile.master and for requesting that same search ASPX page, if there isn't a search mobile ASPX, mm. it'll still return what's in search ASPX, mm -hmm. but it'll swap out without you doing anything, it'll swap out the mobile the master page reference for the site.mobile.master. Mm. You don't have to do anything. And in that mobile master, uh, Carl, like you were suggesting, there put your mobile right. CSS files and JavaScript files sure. if you want to deliver jQuery UI, yeah. J, uh, jQuery mobile. Right. Right? You can put those references up there to style it more appropriately. Sure. It just means there's a lot less code you're writing per page, right? Exactly. If you're using master pages the way they're supposed to be used. Absolutely. And then take it one step further. If you do have two separate pages, you have that mobile ASPX page mm -hmm. and that standard ASPX page, we'll start looking at some things like um, WebForms MVP, where you now have a project that'll sit inside your web forms uh, project. Mm -hmm. You have this library, it sits in there, and you can now build in an MVC-like manner. Move all your logic out into a controller file huh. and still use the exact same code behind in your mobile ASPX and your ASPX. Are we sure we're still using web forms at that point? Ah. Like, you're really blurring the line between you are web forms and MVC. Line. Really what you're just getting is adding one page and getting the, the, the markup and the service at the same time. Absolutely. Really, that's what you're getting. But I, I encourage people to continue using web forms because you have that rich set of controls out right. there that are, there's so many of them, they're easy to use, and, and when you just need to put that grid on the page, put right. a calendar on the page, you don't want to think about all the All right, but nuance. now you just said grid and mobile in the same sentence. And didn't <laughs> I you was going to jump on that, too. Ah. You're talking about a big view state and all that crap and lots of HTML and JavaScript down. I mean, we really want to send grids to a phone? Well, you don't have to send all the view state, right? View state is something that, that we're seeing in more modern web form development. It's not something you need to use every time, right. especially if you're doing... Model binding. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't need to send down all the view state for that grid that has thousands of rows. Don't right, do it. Because you're not doing postbacks. Exactly. Yeah. If you're not doing postback, then don't. Yeah. Doesn't matter. But doesn't the matter. grid doesn't really operate well, you know, in terms of uh, doing all the things that it does without postbacks, right? Well, the grid's probably not a good example. Maybe you're talking about 
something else. Mm-hmm. Well, no, but there are a lot of controls that require postbacks in order to re-render, like calendars and things like that. Well, there are controls out there, though, that you can wire up to APIs instead. Right. So you can do your client-side binding, right? Right. Or you can use your jQuery capabilities to wire up to jQuery UI plugins and make right. those work. Right. So you were uh, you couldn't keep yourself quiet during my introduction when we were talking about SignalR. Oh, so. I love SignalR. So tell me all about your experiences with SignalR. So, right, SignalR gives us that you were pointing out that real time web look and feel. Right, we can we can actually have the server now call methods on the client. Right, yeah. and and to your point, we've got all kinds of clients out there we right. can use. Right. Right. So between JavaScript and, and .NET, well, that, that covers a lot of our needs. Sure does. But there's there's open source components out there we can use for Android and iOS. Yep. So we get that real-time feel coming back and forth. And yep. it all happens over port 80. So think about it. We could put services behind a firewall and have a server out somewhere on the public Internet right. and have that service behind the firewall call back and subscribe over port 80. Right, and, and that's the whole thing here is that PubSub model allows us to create, have clients create connections and then get messages back. Right. No more polling. Yes. Polling yeah. bad. Polling bad. <laughs> and and now we with the new version of SignalR that was released, we can scale that out. We have a backplane that we can use right. so we can communicate to multiple servers. And tell, tell me more about that because this is really where the magic happens, okay? We were we were talking about RDO, which mm-hmm. is a music... music uh, uh, streaming service. Yep. And I was fascinated to learn that they're doing a private cloud installation and they're keeping all these open sockets to enable that magic of when you move from your desktop to another phone and you walk away, your 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 stream continues where it left off, which is magic to me. But oh, they're yeah. keeping open sockets and millions of them, oh. right? I mean, think about it. Oh, yeah. How do you scale that up on the back end? So there's a couple different options right now, and the one that I think has the most promise is a service bus. So you can use the Windows service bus behind SignalR and set up multiple servers that are behind your load balancer. So if you're running website XYZ and you have 30 web servers, SignalR really runs in memory on each one of those servers, and it knows those subscribers who are connected to just that one server. Right. But when you've got 30 of them in the web form, how do they communicate to each other? And that's right. where the backplane comes in. The backplane lives behind it. It's that service bus that does another set of PubSub between those web so form the servers. The service bus is just running on one server, though, right? Um, it's communicating to all of the it's servers. communicating to all, but it is one. Yes. Yeah. So so they're publishing messages back and forth. So when in, when Carl's connected and, and he's listening to uh, John Coltrane, mm-hmm. right, and you hit pause, and you go over and you start up your mobile device and you want to continue listening, mm-hmm. you might not be connected to that same server number five that right. you were on your desktop. So you send it to the service bus. Service bus sends it to all of the other... Right, and when your mobile device alarm. then connects to server 20... Well, it sees, oh, Carl's connected to server 20 and starts sending the messages it down just there. Put, it seems to me it puts a heck of a load on the service bus. Well, service, I mean, service bus is pretty scalable. It the is. The piece that would scare me is the load balancer piece. Like, how right. do, when the initial request comes through for the subscription, mm-hmm. the load balancer is going to assign this to a given server. Yep. And then the socket is opened. Yes. And then just held open. Yes. So there's no addition. The, the load balancer makes the decision once and then forgets about Yep. Who to send it to. Yeah. Yep. So that's scalable as yeah. opposed to... See, I agree. You're right. You're cause, right. Because load balancing, when you talk about HTTP, where you have to renegotiate every time, and then you have state stored right. on a given yeah, server, now the load balancer needs to remember, oh, that guy went to that server, and that's not scalable. Mm. Yeah. So it ha- because this thing's dumb, 
because it's just like, yeah. oh, okay, go over here. And right. then they make their own connection and they keep it. Yep. And if the connection breaks, you start over. Yeah. Right. I mean, life's good. You'll scale the snot out of that. Yeah, just throw right. more servers yeah. at it. Yeah. Wow. So it's it, it's so simple an idea how they built this. And then and the, the failover capabilities where, you know what, if you don't have WebSockets, if you're running IE7, yeah. It knows how to use other compliant technologies to continue the communication. Yeah. I mean, that's the piece that, that SignalR really brings to the table. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. downscale. Yeah, downscale, downscale and the right way to use each version of each browser mm -hmm. and each other technology. Right. Because yeah. there's all, you were already talking about yep. this, right? That there's all these little rules inside of WebSockets oh, yeah. from one version oh, to another that make you crazy. Absolutely. Well, it's not necessarily from one version to another, but I think, you know, when WebSockets first came out, there was it was discovered that it was, you know, insecure. Right. right. And so they... They punted it. They've added and, all this complexity. And so if you go back and look and see what WebSockets is now, it's a protocol. Right, it's yeah. Not, it is. It's not like, oh, you open the socket, you send it in. No, 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 no. It's protocol. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it adds all that complexity it adds on top a lot of, of HTTP. Yeah, because they're trying to keep trying to keep things safe. And that's yeah. that's some um, you know I understand how they got there. You know that's just why SignalR needs to exist. Is yes. to is to wrap that away from us. And I don't want to see it. Essentially, abstracted messaging away. I mean, it, right. it is replaced every kind of messaging that we had before. Absolutely, and SignalR runs on top of OWIN now. It doesn't run on top of yes, ASP.NET proper. This episode of The Tablet Show is brought to you by Telerik Icinium, which enables you to develop, test, and publish iOS and Android apps from a single code base using only HTML5 and JavaScript. And the best part is Icinium lets you do all of this from within Visual Studio, including comprehensive backend as a service in the cloud, integrated support for Kendo UI as well as jQuery mobile, and integrated testing and deployment capabilities. That makes Icinium a robust end-to-end -end mobile app development platform for .NET developers. Telerik Icinium, with its Visual Studio extension, is available on a subscription basis and part of the Telerik DevCraft Ultimate Collection. Start a free 30-day trial of Icinium with support at icinium.com DNR. That's I-C-E-N-I-U-M dot com slash DNR. And don't forget to thank Telerik for supporting .NET Rocks and the Tablet Show. Let's talk about Owen. Sure. So I noticed that when you when you start a SignalR project, whether it's on ASP.NET or in a client, you have to add an Owen startup class. Yes. And then map SignalR. Yes. What does that do exactly? So Owen now is the is the new pluggable architecture for building .NET building .NET applications that are going to run for the web. So we want we want to start building services and frameworks that are composable. So SignalR is a framework that we're going to put on top of some sort of a host, that, some sort of, I'm sorry, a server that lives on a host, right? Okay. So we want to be able to compose those things, right? We don't, do we really need the full weight of IIS to drive a SignalR uh. capability? No. It'd be great if we could put that on top of Nancy. Right. Nancy is an OWIN compliant and server. OWIN stands for what? Open Web Interface for .NET. Awesome. So, so it's an abstraction over the server side. Yes. And, and they all start with this startup class. And you wire yeah. up, here's how everything's going to communicate with each other. And you get this nice, clean pipeline where you can you know, omit some of the modules that you don't really need. Yeah. Right. If you're standing up just a SignalR hub, do you really need to bring in all the stuff for authentication? Right. It feels like we're Maybe picking not. a middle ground between IIS and Node. 
You know what I mean? Are. Like, when I first saw Node.js, I thought, okay, well, everybody's sick of all the extras that come with IIS, so they're just stripped it down to nothing. Sure. That's just such a severe reaction as the overload of IIS. So, to me, it seems like Owen sits between the two. and says, hey, there's some stuff you want, yep. and we'll, we'll have that there so you don't have to build it all yourself. Absolutely. But, but it's not the huge monolith that is IIS. Not that my IIS is monolithic anymore. No, it's no. It, it's, IIS is, is it's still a very, a very good enterprise-grade yeah. web server. And they've modularized it nicely. You can turn stuff off, but everything's on by default. Yes. And it takes time and experience to actually configure IIS well. well it seems to me like, oh, it's a smaller bite. You Absolutely. mentioned authentication just a minute ago. Like yes. You would turn that off, but one of the things that SignalR doesn't do is authentication, does it? No. It, it, so SignalR, out of the box, doesn't do authentication. It's just simple. Yeah. It, it's just simple pub-sub. Right. But you can, right, you can do some things around headers. If you want to, so that when you make that initial connection, verify that the person who is connecting and subscribing sure. is authenticated. Whether you, you check a cookie or a host header, I mean, uh, and simply, header. yeah, you could simply do cookies. You could do your own sort of roll your own over HTTPS. That Absolutely. Kind of thing. Yep. And then yeah. once the once that connection is established, you're, you're not going to see any change, right? Yeah. You're on the protocol at that point, and yeah. the the tunnel's complete. Yeah, off you go. Yeah. yeah and you can refuse the connection as well? Absolutely, you can refuse the connection, certainly. You'll get information about when the connection's disconnected in SignalR, mm -hmm. and you can determine how best to react to that, whether you're on the server or the mm -hmm. client. Mm -hmm. So there's some very interesting capabilities there. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I haven't dug deep enough to know the answer to those questions, but certainly the... the the demos that you know right out of the gate are just yeah. compelling. But very stuff. Very good I mean, stuff. this this whole story ties together. This idea of I have existing web development skills in ASP.NET, and I'm trying to deal with mobile. Yes. And there's a culture that says mobile is completely different. Go jQuery mobile, do everything from scratch, and learn a whole new way to development. You're messing with me now, man. Oh, absolutely. Like you're saying take the stuff you already know and pieces of it work inside of mobile. Just do a few things differently. Well, and even if you're you know going the Xamarin route, you you could still use SignalR. Sure, because it works That's in native C sharp. Yep. Yeah. So um, you you do need to mess with it, right? I mean, mobile's coming in. It's it's taking over, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's parts of the world where 60, 70 percent of the people all they have is a mobile device. Right. They've got a tablet, they've got a phone, yeah. and Nothing they don't else. know what it is, what right. a desktop is. Right. So how do we address them, right? Where do we get the penetration to be able to support them? Yeah. And mobile web, I mean, let's face it, will hit every device. Every right. device has a browser. Yeah. yeah. It may not look great on a desktop browser, but it'll work. It'll work, yeah. right? So when you then you can start talking about things like responsive design, mm -hmm. bootstrap, Zurb Foundation, right? Yeah. These CSS frameworks that will allow you to build and, and tell your UI, hey, when you're 1024, 768, scale like this. Right. When you're 800, 600, Look like rearrange this. things. Yeah, yeah, so it looks simpler. Sure. So that's a good way to start. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned jQuery UI. Right. Or we can even jQuery use uh, Kindu UI Mobile is another yes. feature that I like to use. Yeah, I love it. Where we can have this this alternate rendering, right? Where where that responsive rendering is adaptive. It adapts to the size mm. of your screen. Yeah. You can also have that alternate rendering that's specific to this device size. Right. Right. So and Kendo does I, uh, iPhone, Android look and feel. Oh, and effects. Windows Phone and BlackBerry. Interesting. So, so both BlackBerry do. users will be happy. <laughs> all both of them. Yeah. <laughs> they might actually be in the other room. That's <laughs> so. just mean. There's uh, lots I'm of Blackberries sorry. out there. And Absolutely. you know the sad part is the Z10, have you played with one? Mm -mm. It's really a nice phone. I think it's too late, but they made a nice phone. I 
you know what? They've got a culture problem now, not they a product do. problem. Absolutely. Yeah. And and so just does Microsoft like, for that matter. I was gonna say just like Microsoft, yeah. they gotta bring yeah. people around. You gotta yeah. fight it back. The thing is they are running out of money. Yeah. So they're running out hard. of money and maybe too late. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, we'll see what happens. Absolutely. What, what else have you been up to lately, Jeff? So I've been learning a lot more. We kind of hit the two sides of the of the spectrum there, the mobile sure. web and yep. native. Right? Native, we know it, we're going to have to build a separate app for BlackBerry mm. or for Windows Phone or iOS or Android. Yep. Mm. I've been getting more and more into hybrid apps, right? Yeah. Those apps that where I built my spa application yeah. using Angular or some MVVM framework, and mm-hmm. it, it looks nice. It's a simple H- HTML application. And I'm going to install that with a Cordova framework inside iOS or Android. Right. So I've been learning more and more about PhoneGap and Icinium and how those pieces fit together and how I can reuse what I've written once from ASP.NET right. over in Icinium or, or PhoneGap by building web APIs that I can expose and work with. And I so think I'm, the challenge there is not to just take your website and stuff it into a native shell, right? Yeah. You, you don't, yeah. You Somebody don't who did that? I've seen a couple of, especially yeah. on WinPhone, I've seen some really bad phone get apps that were basically their mobile website. Yeah. But at the same time, you have that, that unique look and feel that people want in their applications that's right. the same across every platform. Right. Like I would say, if you're going to use Icinium, definitely use the Kendo UI mobile stuff. Because Absolutely. then you'll at least make it look like a native app. Right. Yes. You know? Yes. It, yeah. And it, it, it looks and feels right on it. Yeah. But to, right, if you want to have that unique look and feel that's specific to your application, well, now you've got to brand it. You yeah. brand it, so yeah. you're the Facebooks, the Twitters, right. the Foursquares, and that's great. You can shut off some of that adaptive drop-in of the style sure. inside your PhoneGap app, and then it just compiles and looks and feels the same everywhere. Right. So, somebody who's a web developer, oh yeah, obviously. When they're going to mobile apps, Icinium is a great solution for them. Great solution. What advice can you give them just starting out in that space? Um, don't get intimidated by the fact that you're going to mobile, right? Stay, stay with what you know. Continue to build those simple web pages. Think about checking out some of these MVVM frameworks. Because you're going to be doing more and more of your logic in JavaScript, mm-hmm. and you're going to be reaching out and fetching data with JavaScript. Mm-hmm. Get your JavaScript skills up to speed. Look at the MVVM frameworks because it's going to help you to build and compose that user interface much, much more quickly than if you were to be th- sitting there and actually emitting elements from your JavaScript. Right. Set up the MVVM so that you're binding to templates and just painting them on the page and let the framework do the work for you. So you're talking Angular? Uh, you can talk Angular, you can talk uh, Knockout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we mentioned Kendo UI. They've got a great MVVM framework in there as well. Mm-hmm. It's up to you. And that's the great thing about it is you have choice as to which one of these <laughs> hundreds of JavaScript right. libraries you use. So if you're not already using an MVVM framework, how much time does it take for somebody who's non-MVVM to come up to speed? It's, you know, it, it doesn't feel like it takes that long. I mean, yeah. we've been building web pages for a long time here. So, and we're familiar with some of those MV, MVC type of frameworks. Right. So MVVM is similar to MVC. There's a couple things you're going to have to learn in there yeah. to 
get things to bind properly. But if you pick up, uh, gosh, Pluralsight's a sponsor of this. If you pick up a Pluralsight course, they're sure. going to get you a nice uh, MVVM course to get you going in no time. Yeah, right. there is good training around all of this. Absolutely. Well, you know, and I, I think out. about those the, these developers. I mean, if you think about the history, right, of, of our listeners anyway, mm-hmm. these guys were into XAML. Yep. Yeah. Probably into Silverlight. We, yeah, we learned MVVM and Silverlight. And we learned yeah, we MVVM did. and Silverlight. And then, you know, sort of went all web. Right. A lot of these guys, you know... Went back to the went, web. Went back, back to, to the, the web. web. Yeah. Because yeah. Silverlight was really a web technology, actually. And, right? and it was then, a plug-in for your browser. I think these are the guys that are really dig and knock out an Angular and stuff. Because they Absolutely. get that, you know? They, yes. they get the binding and all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and when you couple that with the new HTML5 tags and capabilities mm. that we're seeing in the browsers... Mm. You can get some really compelling user Amazing. interfaces quickly. Yeah. So so now let's build up our JavaScript skills. Instead of C-sharp, it's now JavaScript skills we're working on right. and doing that communication back and forth. And what, what about jQuery? I mean, jQuery uh, filled a, a need when there was a need for it to be filled. You see it is still being relevant going I'm, forward? I'm seeing more and more people pulling back from jQuery, right? Yeah. jQuery was that great shim between yep. our JavaScript and the DOM, the HTML document object model. And I'm hearing more and more people pull back on that because those jQuery methods that we could use to to go across the object model are built into the browsers now. Right, right. So if you're on the modern browser, most of our mobile devices have these capabilities yeah. baked in. Yeah. So why load this giant, heavy jQuery library when we can do the things natively? The smartphones just aren't having the problems that the desktop have because they're also new. Yeah. We just don't have the like. There is no IE6 for a no. smartphone. No. And yeah. And... We hear Apple, you know, they proclaimed that their upgrade rate on, you know, going to iOS 7 was, you know, 60% in the right. first weekend or something like that. But they don't have a choice. They don't. Yeah, they force iPhone developers, mm-hmm. to, uh, iPhone devices to upgrade every time, whether you want to or not. And from a developer perspective, that's awesome because it Absolutely. means there's only one OS to care about, the latest one. Yes. So I don't have that IE6 tax in the back of my yeah. markup. So what percent of our our web audience are we leaving behind when we forego J- using jQuery? It really depends on what types of things you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. If you're using jQuery just to run across the document object model, you're going to see you're going to see some challenges with those IE6 users. And IE6 is what? Three, is that really all we're talking about, IE6? No, no. Are, we're going to be talking about, about IE6 and IE7? Yeah, folks well? are complaining of IE7, IE8. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but but they, Google's cut support. They just announced they're cutting support. For right, they go n minus two on their browsers, and IE eleven came out, right. so they're cutting support now for IE eight. Yeah, and I know a lot of people that are still running IE eight. Sure. So yeah, if you're not on on, uh, so nine uh, is really considered the first modern browser for for today for, for here IE. in late 2013. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. And uh, I mean, let's think about it. Microsoft released IE eleven for Windows seven a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. So do the upgrade. Right. It, there's no pain to it unless yeah. you've got something now, that's really bound to I, an earlier now version. Now, Chrome upgrades itself every time you close it. Close it. Every time the, you close it. Does Actually, IE require an opt-in upgrade? It, it comes in with a Windows Update, yeah. right? It does? Yeah. Yeah. So you have to, do you have to, well, yeah, it's on, how you, to it on how you configure Windows yes. Update. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah. So they sometimes they'll force patches on us in there, right? Mm. They'll say, oh, this is an exploit, it's a security fix, and they'll force it on us. 
But to go IE 10 to IE 11, I believe you have to opt into. It should come in and prompt you on that. So really, we're just talking about these older IE users. If we forego jQuery for right, right. The Firefox DOM. is doing auto upgrades now on us. Also, mm -hmm. I don't think Opera. All two users of Opera are <laughs> yeah. concerned about that one either. Well, they and they've switched over to the Opera's now WebKit, right? It's yeah, basic, you know, yeah. Fewer and fewer very, which makes me sad too, because I think a healthy ecosystem needs some diversity there. So sure, so but at the same time, Chrome is no longer WebKit, right? Right. So Google's forked it, and they're going off on their own way. Yeah. So is there anything in jQuery that's not in modern browsers JavaScript-wise in terms of Ajax calls or anything like that or asynchronous? Uh, is there uh, any reason to hang on to it? There, well, I mean, certainly that plug-in model is very, very strong in there. And if you're, when you're building out your user interface and you want to continue using that, that plug-in model, go for it. There's a lot of stuff in there. And the new jQuery 2, right, they've stripped out support for those old, old browsers to mm -hmm. really thin it down and, mm -hmm. and make it a more more consumable library for our mobile devices. Hmm. It's still not for the faint of heart to use it for everything on every website. It's got its place. But we are, I do feel like we're really getting into a have and have not situation on the web now. You're either running a modern browser and there's a, there's a beautiful new internet out there for you. And if, you, and if you're not, it's a whole lot of stuff that doesn't work, right? Absolutely. Look, I talked to my mother the other night, right? My mom, she bought an iPad when it first came out mm -hmm. and she never updated it. Right. I mean, I, of course, every time I go over there, and, you know, she says, oh, this isn't working right. And I look at it, and it's still running iOS 3. <laughs> like, That's awesome. I'm like, Mom, come on. You, you're well, going to get all these new things. Oh, I don't need it. It still runs my email. Yeah. It doesn't run correctly. Yeah. But it still runs her email. Well, and if it's an original it. iPad, it doesn't even run iOS 7, right? No, like, it can't. The question is, can she? what upgrade can she get now? Are they still going to let it, her go? I think it topped out at 5. Yeah. Well, it's just a matter, to, matter of time until the battery dies anyway. Yeah. Exactly. You only got three years of those <clears> things. They, my kids come over, and, and they want to play you know whatever game on it, and she can't download it from the App Store right. because it's not supported. <laughs> it's too out of date. I can't clearly, play Cut the Rope. Clearly, these are Christmas whatever. present opportunity oh, here, yes, Jeff. That's right. You're like, it's your mother, man. Come on. <laughs> Mom, <laughs> this is a Surface. It's like an iPad, but different. <laughs> Thank you. you know, so my mother got the iPad 1 when it first came out. And when we were at TechEd there in, over the summer, yeah. I got my father the Surface RT. Nice. Yeah. So now the two of them sit on the couch, and she's got the Surface, and he's got the Surface R. Cool. She's got the iPad. He's got the Surface RT. That's funny. It, we are an American family. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. And, you know, what's awesome is if you have them talk, try to tell, hey, install this app. Oh, I can't. I've got to. No. Yeah. Well. It's different. Oh. So, but they can go back and forth playing Angry Birds. Right. Oh, all right. So, uh, okay. That's fine. But. And, and can they play? Can they play against each other? That's the question. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, did you get past level ten? No, yeah, not yeah, yeah. yet. No, let me show you how I did it. Absolutely. So and I wonder how different the play is between the two implementations of it. There must be, be little differences. I I can ask them. Right? Words with friends. Yes. Mm -hmm. So and I mean it's in my mind it's really interesting when we look at the Surface devices, right? We we just saw a big upgrade to those, yep. right? The Surface Two, the Surface Two Pro. Um, my father's a longtime Unix developer, mainframe developer back in the day. Oh, cool. Huh. He wrote the original scheduling system for the local community college. So right. naturally, you went into Windows. Naturally, <laughs> went to Windows. He went to the desktop, and he's saying, why can't I run this Java app? Why can't I run this Flash? But other than that, once we got past, well, you couldn't run it on your iPad either. Right. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, cool. I can still play Taptiles. I can still play Mahjong and all mm -hmm. those other games right. I was used to and do my Excel sheets. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So he's happy as a clam pushing stuff with SkyDrive back and forth. Yeah. yeah I yeah. don't know why they so, didn't just sell that Surface as as an iPad that runs Office. Absolutely. You know, that's it's what a, it's, it's about. It's an iPad that runs Office, 
and it still does the exact same things your iPad can do. Yeah. 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 So that's true. Great device. Yeah. And and in, in the next generation, I'm really looking forward to the Nokia twenty five twenty. Yes. Nokia is getting more aggressive with these rollouts. Yeah. What we just we saw two new phones and now two new tablets. Yep. Very quick. I just saw something in the news that Nokia has ninety percent of the Windows phone market. Not a surprise. No, it wouldn't surprise me at yeah. all. No. And it, it's it's such a nice, well built device. Yep. And I, I just went to a uh, to a nine twenty eight on Verizon. Oh wow. Okay. And I so my whole team, when I when I joined up with the company, my whole team was carrying Windows phones. Whether right. it was the the Windows Phone nine eight uh, X, mm-hmm. right, or a Nokia nine twenty, mm-hmm. and I, you know, all right, fine. I've got to move from my iPhone four S over to Windows Phone. So I got a Windows Phone, and now everybody's over on iPhone. Right. What happened, guys? <laughs> I'm left behind here, and I've got That's people funny. like Atley that are thrilled that I'm carrying a Windows Phone now. Uh, so, well, it's nice to see that Verizon is finally a CDMA Windows phone because that was a long mm, time coming. Yeah, but I'm now I got to wait to figure out when I'm going to get a 1020. I want that 41 megapixel sure. phone. Yeah, that's, that's so I get Carl's pictures phone. of my daughter swimming and diving. And I, okay, I've got eight megapixel, but I want 41, man. <laughs> yeah. Bigger is more gooder. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, showing off way his, to go. Showing off his phone. Yeah. And I, I don't need that. What do they call them? The, the really big six-inch phones. They call them... What's the nickname they have for them? Fablets. Ah, I don't that like... sounds phony to me. I don't like phablets. I call Fablets. them BAPs. Uh, FAPs, okay. No, BAPs. 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 Okay. Big-ass phones. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> oh, look. There's one over there. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, look man. at that thing. Can I see that? Hold yes. that up again, Atley. Atley Hunter's here. Oh, with my big God. Ass phone. Look at that. You, you hold that up to the side of your phone, and your, your face disappears. Hold that phone oh, up to your head. It's a prototype phone. Yeah. You're, Boy, that's ugly. I hold that up to my ear, and I can hear the factory in China. That right. I mean, I was at I was at an event uh, last weekend, and there was a guy holding. He was hiding, holding an iPad Mini, up to his head, so we could talk on Skype. Wow. What is that? So here's a funny one for you. I skyped home from Ireland to my friend oh, yeah. Dermot, who uh, owns the pub, right? Yep. And it was so noisy in the pub, and I'm on Skype, and he's looking at me on you know on the phone, right? But it was so noisy. He holds it up to his ear, and of course, now I can see his earwax. <laughs> and so I yelled, hey, the inside of your ear looks disgusting, dude. And he goes, what the? Yeah. Oh, man. That's funny. Oh. Yeah. All right. Well, Jeff, what's next for you? What's in your inbox? Um, so we're, I've got a couple more trips coming up here. I've got a visit to uh, University of Connecticut. I'm going to go see a uh, user group up there in a week or two here. Uh, Cincinnati for wait a, a minute in a week or two. What what what's the date? Um, Tuesday, Nov- uh, December second. I'll be visiting those. Ah, guys. I won't be there. Right, it's my hometown. Uh, you know. It's before the show's published. Actually, so it'll already happen by anybody. So I'm gonna in two weeks from now, which is actually back in time a week from now. A week ago. Yeah, a yeah. week ago. Yeah, that whole love the time shifting. I yeah. Well, there's anyway, a well, TARDIS in the middle of this somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> while you're at UConn, uh, have a good time and make sure to do some cow tipping while you're there. You go. Nice. Okay. And then uh, I'll be in Cincinnati for Southwest Ohio Code Camp, uh, first weekend in December. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to make a run over to uh, to my friends in Eastern Europe in beginning of February. So I Very hope cool. to see some uh, some of our friends of the show out there. Really and, looking forward to that. And yeah. your talks are these days around uh, mobile and Windows? I'm trying to uh, do sorry, more around mobile, and, mobile and web and how we can really make better use of our, our C-sharp and web assets mm. for the, the smaller devices. Utilize your existing skill sets, which you already know. You already know it. Just start thinking smaller. 
That's interesting. Thanks, so, Jeff. Cool. Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it. It's been a, it's been a pleasure talking to you. We'll see you next time on the channel. You're not the only one with no time.